live long and prosper. I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. My whole committee frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. So who out there actually headbangs that intro song? I know I do. Every day. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 110 of A Play on Nerds. It's a very merry A, a Play, Play on, on Nerds, Nerds special. Holiday special. <laughs> and what that means is that later on the episode, we're going to be doing our continuing series of covering all the Muppet movies and all the Star Trek movies by doing It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas Movie. That's right. We had to move some things around to make it happen, but I'm happy that it's fallen on the holiday. Right. Like it's one out of order with the uh, Wizard of Oz when we did last, but uh, yeah. it's... Uh, and we we yeah. did the same thing last year with uh, Christmas Carol. Switched so them now, around. Now it's, now it's a tradition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, I'm Jarman, your co-host. And I'm Steve, the other co-host, and we're here to co-host the hell out of this. Absolutely. So it's an exciting episode. Stay tuned for that. But until then, what have you been up to, Steve? Oh, man, I had a whole Disney trip. Oh, Jesus. Disneyland, right? In California. Disney, Disneyland in California. Uh, Got up stupid early on Thursday. Drove down. Anna's mom drove us. Uh, Got to the hotel. Was able to have dinner and like call tonight. uh, And then got up stupid early on Friday and went to the parks to make sure we were there to open and spent a lot of time at Disney. Right. This time of year, they're open from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Wow. That's a lot of yeah. hours. Um, so we, we had the strategy of we went back to the hotel midday, t- took a few hours, got the kid reset, got a nap, uh, and then went back and did evenings. Wow. Because after fireworks, the parks really clear out. And you can get a ton of stuff done. Lots of rides and such. Um, yeah, we went over to Fantasyland, kind of the little kids land. And after 10 you could just walk through the line to the teacups. All them kids asleep. Right. So it was really good and we got a lot done. So that was good. And uh, we went because of Anna's mother's 70th birthday. Uh, and we ate at a very special place in the park called, called Blue Bayou. Oh. Which uh, has its seating area uh, in the intro of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Right, it's really so, beautiful too, like a, a river there and everything. And it, yeah, it, it's like, and it's it's a quiet. Like you think it's next to a ride, it's gonna be loud, but we never knew the boats were there. Dark, quiet, really cool, really special. Got to have a really nice birthday lunch with mom there, uh, ride some rides, and then uh, you know, had a little bit of fun. And it's cool because it feels like it's nighttime in that restaurant, but it's like daytime outside. That's right. Uh, and I'm gonna say this, and Orlando people might be mad. Disneyland Space Mountain is better. Is it different somehow? It is. It's a it's a different design entirely. It's two side by side riders instead of the single file. Oh, um, and it's just very different feeling. But I I like it more. Space Mountain in Orlando at least was the the fastest scariest roller coaster I could go on that I enjoyed. Anything past that, I get I just think makes me ill. So Thunder Mountain, Space Mountain, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. 
But I will. I want to give a shout out though because uh, I was talking about how the difference between uh, Disney World in Florida and Disneyland in California. There's less land to go around in that area for Disneyland. So they kind of scrunch everything together closer. Uh, where Disney World is just more sprawling, but they have a lot of similar things there. But if you want to know all about Disney parks, check out the Florida Project podcast, uh, which came out before that movie came out with the same name. And one of our regular listeners, Michael McGovern, um, and his husband, Jason, they co-host that with another guy as well. And they just are experts on everything Disney. And they just talk about that, not like total nerds on Disney. It's pretty awesome. But uh, I'm not into Disney, so I don't listen to their podcast really because I would just I would get kind of bored after a while because I don't care much about Disney. But they those guys love it. So you're right. Disneyland is smaller. But what I will say for it is it is so much more convenient to get around the park. Oh, I would imagine because it's just less at, walking <laughs> at the one in Orlando. It's like, OK, we got to get to Tomorrowland. OK, how do we get to Tomorrowland from here? <laughs> OK, we got to take this bridge and go around the thing and then go behind the castle at Disneyland. It's like, no, you just walk through the middle of the park. It's like 25 yards. Yeah. And then like Orlando would be like, OK, we'll plan this out for the next hour to get there because through crowds and everything it's going to take forever. Well, that's the other thing. Then you've got places like um, was it Islands of Adventure, which is really not designed for that. Like you are meant to go to the left or go to the right. Oh, and Universal, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Epcot. Epcot's the same way. Once you get to the World Showcase, like you're meant to go left or you're meant to go right. There's no crossing around. and Right. <laughs> it's one direction, pretty much. There's one choice. Not the And you're stuck in Norway on that shitty ride. <laughs> I love that Norway ride. It's my favorite as a kid. It had oh, the man. ogres and the trolls and everything. It was my favorite. I do remember the trolls. That was pretty cool. Yeah. It was like, that's a little scary, but I like it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Disney, man, it eats you alive. We did two days. That was enough. I got wicked, a wicked cold halfway through the first day. Mm. I literally had a box of tissues in my jacket pocket for the whole second day. <laughs> it just surrounds me. People are going to get sick. Oh yeah. Uh, but good times. Good times. You survived. Reminds me of my youth at Disney in Orlando. <laughs> and your child survived as well. That's good. Yeah, she didn't. We didn't lose her once. <laughs> Nice. Well, uh, so, so I, I know that you're you're also under the weather, but what else have you been up to besides being under the weather? Yeah, we actually were supposed to record yesterday um, and I just barely couldn't because I had this huge infection. I'd never get these at all. I've never had one before in my life. But uh, Steve's had them his whole life where like, oh, yeah, sinus infections and, and sinus infections. And, uh, yeah. And so basically the whole left side of my throat was throbbing and painful and I couldn't talk more than 10 minutes without getting more painful. And then it went up to my ear and my ear felt like there was liquid in it. And it was just, it was throbbing and sore. And so finally went to the doctor because I couldn't record my voiceover jobs either, which really sucks. So I got all these antibiotics and steroids and Flonase up my nose. And it, it, as Steve said, it would happen. And within 24 hours, I felt massively better. So now I'm able to record and it sounds good. But uh, I don't know how I got so sick. But anyways. Yeah, it sneaks up on you, man. It sneaks up on you. Uh, but between last time we recorded, I, I'm pretty sure is when this happened. Uh, I had a 12-hour D&D session with my buddies. Wow. So nice. much fun. Um, we went to our friend's is house. New, is this the new character? Yeah, this was it was basically the the uh, session zero. My DM was calling it, so it's, so we sat around drinking wine and just like chilling out at this our friend's huge house that they have. Um, their entire house is a smart home, like you can talk to all the devices and everything, um, which is fun. But we had this huge table. We laid out all this stuff, and people had papers out, asking questions, going through all the books, the hardcover books. We had our tablets open with different books in them, and uh, I finally created a deep gnome. A uh, dungeon delver guy, and he's uh, has a German accent, and it's really ridiculous and funny. <laughs> so, is is dungeon delver his 
class? No, I eventually did go with Rogue in the end, at least for the first level, just to have all the skills that Rogue Dude, comes with. One, I'm telling you, one level Rogue dip. It's good for plus, anything, man. Plus, you can take um, skill in lockpicking in uh, Thieves' Tools. Yeah, exactly. I had that and the expertise and things to make your skills even better. And if I want to min-max everything and just go by the best character for the rules, I would have done human because they get an extra um, um, skill and all this stuff. But it's like, uh, story-wise, I thought it'd be more fun and silly to be a deep gnome. And so I have less because of it, but it's just, it's really fun. But they can also see in the dark 120 feet. So we're going through yeah, a lot of dungeons. So it's kind of that's spectacular. Um, but we just, it's just so fun to see. We finally started around the, around 10 o'clock at night, actually playing part of the campaign, but, um, highly recommend it. So you're thinking you're going to go from rogue to something else? I may or may not. Um, just because I love all the skills that he's going to need. And there's other characters who are going to be doing the face stuff, like talking to people. So he has, he has negative one charisma, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, everything else, he's like really high intelligence, uh, high wisdom, uh, good, Um, good dexterity. Um, so I could go different ways depending on what I goes at. Well, I mean, don't, uh, you know, don't rule out people think dexterity and you can't do it, but don't rule out fighter. Yeah, it's possible. Dex fighters and dex paladins both are very, very possible builds. And in paladins case, it's one of the really only ways to do it right. Well, because of what his skills are and stuff and not being like a really in your face fighter kind of guy, I might go like something even strange, like druid or um, wizard or something like that. Are you trying to play him ranged? Uh, well, we actually do have two other range, so he might just be a close-up guy, kind of like jumping in your face and then jumping back and disappearing. So, so fighter might be good for that too, to like kind of engage and then disengage kind of quickly. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, fighter. Um, I mean, druid, because if you go moon druid, then you can shapeshift. You can at level five or six summon summon creatures. That's true. And I was considering ranger stuff as well, because there's some close-up um, ranger things too. Okay, so. Look up Ranger videos or whatever online for 5e. Everyone is going to explain to you that Ranger is the worst class in 5e. <laughs> well, then never mind. So not not to deter you, but take a look. Do your research. There is a reason that Ranger is widely considered. Everything they do, some other class just has a better version of it. So they didn't flesh it out very well, basically. And the only thing they really have, the Animal Companion Beast Mastery thing, doesn't stack up. Mm-hmm. Because the um, the damage doesn't stack with your pet appropriately, so you only get like damage boosts at like level six and level thirteen or level twelve. So it it just isn't worth it. Hmm, good to know. So I couldn't yeah, have take, even sticking with with uh, rogue and just kind of going into like a different kind of path with that. We'll see because you get a lot you, of things dude, level rogue, three. Rogue bard, man, <laughs> that's possible. Well, and the, the only reason is because with bard, if you look at all the different uh, colleges, you can do whatever. Oh, but we also have a guy who's starting off as a level one warforged fighter. It's just like this kind of robot, uh, ancient robot class, like a golem yeah. almost. But we talked about him last time. He he basically finds a heart and wants to become a bard. And so he becomes a bard at level two. <laughs> so he really wants to sing songs and stuff. And he's this giant warforged juggernaut. It's just like, it's going to be so ridiculous. Um, but yeah, bard, just don't, if you're going to do ranger, make sure you look up what you want to do because there's a better version of almost everything that makes sense hence why i didn't do it but you said you've got bad charisma yeah bad charisma <laughs> what's your wisdom modifier i think it's like i think two okay and i have like a a four or five in uh intelligence and like a three or four in dex 
Huh. Why do you stack int so high? Just because I want him to be so skill based. He's just basically all like skills and, and what, uh, knowledge what? skills, basically. Okay. So you wanted arcana and all that? Yeah. History and religion. Okay. So then in that case, with your wisdom score, if you could, I mean, if you could move your scores a little bit, drop your int a little bit, raise your wisdom, um, cleric. Hmm. Uh, the the call uh the I think it's what is it not lore, um but basically you get double your proficiency bonus in two of those skills you just named. Oh, just for being a cleric. Uh, for uh, it's one of the the schools the God, domains the, domains. There we go. It's one of the cleric domains. Oh, gotcha. Domain of knowledge. There we go. And then you get some healing stuff along with it. Um, yeah, not a bad idea. It's a thought. Well, also, to, as I, I think I told it last time, domain of life, man. And then you just got to take um, like magic initiate feet, get Goodberry, and then you got tons of healing to throw around between things. For Dungeon Delve, that could be stupid. The Goodberry. The super Goodberry. Worth four health instead of one. So we didn't know, audience, are you getting bored by our our, our weekly <laughs> D&D conversations? So we love it, but... Uh... Um, no offense, I don't have, I have never really care <laughs> <laughs> what the audience thinks. Like, I'm just here to talk with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I think if we passionately talk about anything, it's going to be entertaining for some people. And that's all that matters. If we're into it, they'll be into it. And that's what matters. That's right. If we're bored that's by our right. own podcast, they're going to be bored. That's what matters. And think about how much fun the turn of a character that a rogue cleric would have to take. <laughs> that's true like he finds the lord <laughs> <laughs> i've been killing my whole life and now i want to find the lord and help heal it endeavors to be a holy man but has a terrible past <laughs> it's but i'm a good. i'm a deep gnome that has a family of th- with three kids back in my like um my little part of the cave and i venture out too much my wife is always pissed at me for being gone for too long that's like his backstory and uh, rock gnomes get uh, like tink- tinkery stuff right deep gnomes sorry well that's yeah rock gnomes get the tinker thing deep gnomes do not they get um what do deep gnomes get they get like bonuses to being just completely hidden and if they're around rocks rocky terrain rocky right. terrain yeah so like basically in caves they're like you get basically dark invisible. vision yeah and you can't basically be attacked with being unawares in the dark like and you're okay and you're always going to see people in the dark before they see you because you can see so far away so it's pretty freaking awesome okay that's pretty cool yeah so i'll tell like a whole group to turn their lights off and i'll be like i'll lead you guys i can see everything in here it's great okay very nice with a german accent hello i'm going to take you through the cave walk slowly Uh, please (laughs) the other thing that you uh another reason to take cleric uh you can get tomaturgy as one of the cantrips which has some crazy dungeoneering capabilities that'd be fun as far as you can like make little breezes blow uh you can make the ground shake harmlessly but it is a great way to trip ground-based traps Mm -hmm, that makes sense yeah it's like a level one thing. It's a it's a cantrip. You can use it as much as you want. It's one of those uh, spells that rewards you for being a creative player. Gotcha. Like prestidigitation. Prestidigitation. It's the the cleric equivalent of that, and it's only cleric available called tomaturgy. I like it. Um, all right, well, let's move on <laughs> to <laughs> Just, some nerdy news. Yeah. It's time for nerdy news. What you got for us this week, Steve? Uh, this week, my story is just called First Looks. Uh, we got a lot of first looks at things this week, and the th- I would just want to share the three I'm most excited about. Nice. Uh, the first official poster for the live-action Aladdin. I did see that. It looks pretty cool. 
Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I think that Will Smith can't can't do Robin Williams genie. And hopefully he, he won't do, try. He right, right, and that's my hope is that he doesn't try and the studio doesn't try. Yeah. Um as long I just I don't want them to destroy what Robin Williams did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they should be steering clear of that. I hope so. And my other hope is that friend like me doesn't become some sort of wild wild west type song. <laughs> like a rap friend like me. Ha ha ha. ha. Um <laughs> You can need a friend. You can need a friend like me, like me. That and, and the the poster, uh, Aladdin just has such a punchable face. Like he looks, his smirk is so smug that you just want to slap him. Um, the first images of the Dark Crystal, which we we posted on the page. Yeah, yeah, got some reaction out of that. Um, so I am so excited. It looks beautiful. My only critique is that the puppets look a little, we'll say, shiny. Hmm. Like they look a little too polished, maybe is probably the way to say it. Because they're the opposite of that in the old movie. They're so almost like falling apart looking. Right. But I think they're too smooth. Now, maybe that's what they want. This is before the world was broken, sort of thing. That's true. Things are a little uh, shinier. Uh, but I'm excited all the same. So excited. Uh, and then first look at uh, first images from the Deadwood movie that's being made. I did not see that. And uh, Ian McShane does not look a day older. He's looked that way for 20 years. It's just a picture of Al Swearingen looking like Al Swearingen. I never did see Deadwood. Oh, you got to check it out. It's, it, it is, it's a great show. It's a great Western. It's got a following. It's getting a movie for a reason because it was one of those shows that kind of got cut before it's time. I've always heard that. Um, but yeah, Deadwood, check it out. HBO or Storks, whatever you want. I do have HBO now, so I can check it out legally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what's your nerdy news? This uh, is my first look. I also have some movie news. Ooh. So just really quickly, one is that we talked about this a little bit before, but Disney has finally confirmed that Johnny Depp will not be in the Pirates of the Caribbean reboot. Um, and the reboot is being written by the duo that wrote Deadpool. So that's yeah, something. Yeah, I saw that. Um, interesting choice for like a PG-13 probably or PG even movie for Disney. Well, what's blowing my mind is that they've they've said it's a reboot. Yeah, it's like so it's so soon and who asked for this? Who wants this? I don't know. <laughs> um my money says it's going to be about like the pirate lords and the pieces of eight. They talk about that a lot in the And then ones. and then them like, you know, capturing Calypso and all that. I, I think I think that's the smart <laughs> the smart bet. I haven't seen those movies in so long. I don't think I've even watched the last one or two of them. Oh, uh, yeah. There's there's one with mermaids or something. I just gave up. Wasn't there five movies? I don't know. I might be thinking of the Hellraisers. <laughs> <laughs> there was just, they made so much money abroad each time that didn't matter what they made in the U.S. They just kept making them. Yeah, they make $500 million. $300 million is overseas. Yep. That's all they need. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. And then the other one is... Uh, the new DC Universe streaming platform, which uh, I haven't gotten and don't really care to yet, they yep. already premiered, I believe, Titans, which is uh, the rugged, did. dreary version of Teen Titans, it seems, with the cursing and blood and stuff. And there's a cameo on there of characters from the group called Doom Patrol, which is a long-running DC Universe thing. Um, I've never really looked into it. I've heard the name many times, but didn't know what it consisted of. 
but mm-hmm. there's five anti-hero freak types in the Doom Patrol, and they're making their own series with that, and it's coming out in February already. Um, but the, the crazy thing is the cast in this show is like a long list of uh, has-beens and a couple people who you're surprised actually want to even be in this. So you got Timothy Dalton playing the leader uh, called The Chief, uh, and then you have Matt Bomer. He's the guy from, I think, White Collar or Suits or one of those shows. Um, he's playing Negative Man. Uh, there's two women actresses that are very young. I don't recognize them. I don't think they're knowns. They're kind of unknowns. I have Alan Tudyk, who's a big actor right now, oh, voice yeah, actor, yeah. playing, um, I think, a tertiary character, not like one of the main cast, playing Mr. Nobody, because they didn't have a character shot of him, so I don't know what he looks like. Um, the weird thing is, is that Cyborg is like the main hinging of this show. He's like the lead character, kind of. Um, but it's not the same actor playing Cyborg from the movies, so it's like, I don't know what universe this is in or what. Um, and then to top it off, for coming back from the dust where he's been for so long, is Brendan Fraser is playing wow. Robot Man. And the sad and weird part is that his face seems to be covered for the entire time. So I don't even know why they cast Brendan Fraser because you can't even see his face. I'm looking at this now. Okay, so the young woman, I think, is from Orange is New Black. The I didn't recognize her, but maybe you're right. One of the two young Latino prisoners, I yeah, think. Maybe I right. watched that show. I don't recognize her. You're right. That's not the right cyborg. Yeah. Oh, Tudyk is playing the Invisible Man, basically. His face is covered. No, that's Negative Man, played by Matt Bomer. Oh. So then Tudyk's not in the main promo, then. Exactly. Like That's why they don't show a picture of him, but he's called Mr. Nobody. So I don't know. Oh. Maybe he's like the villain or um, some other character we haven't seen yet. But So it's it's interesting to me because of all these weird smattering of actors and stuff. Like, But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll have to stork it because I'm... Not gonna yeah, invest in another streaming service. Streaming. Yeah, come on. No. <laughs> come on. Well, I think only like devoted fans of DC would be buying that right now. I don't know who is getting that. Maybe feel for their teenage kids or something. I don't know. But that's that. Uh all right. Well, cool. Uh well, before we get into our big, very merry Muppet Christmas discussion, uh, I took the time to look up some uh strange international Christmas customs to share with all of you guys. I'm sure there's lots of weird ones. Um, so in Sweden, they make these big vats of pudding and all the young unmarried women eat it. And in the pudding is an almond. And whoever finds the almond is getting married next year. Okay. Whoever chokes on the <laughs> almond is not. <laughs> uh, so in Greece, so this word is really hard. So you're going to have to forgive me. They've got these little evil goblins called Calicantzeroy. I'm already into it. Who are essentially gremlins who only show up for the 12 days of Christmas and are basically attributed for all the, all everything that goes wrong during the holidays. <laughs> nice. Uh, in Japan, Christmas cards are, are traditionally flat white or white and green because uh, they don't put red on Christmas cards there because uh, red cards are traditionally for funeral announcements. Hmm. And then these last two come from Spain. And these are both weird, and they're both from the same region of Spain, Catalonia. So there's the cagas hia, or also known as the poop log. Um, so starting in the middle of December, they, they take this log, they decorate it, they put a face on it, and they drill a hole all the way through the middle of it. They core it. Okay. 
So it's got a big hollow spot going all the way through. So through December, they feed this little character cookies and candies and treats and stuff. Um, and then on, I think, December 25th, they throw it in the fire and this little happy thing that they decorated starts pooping out all the candies and stuff they've been feeding it. Wouldn't they just be melting and burning away? Right. No, but they're, they're inside the log, so they're melting and then like spewing out the butt. <laughs> Why? I don't know. But then there's a character that's in um, nativity scenes in Catalonia's area of Spain um, with a character called the Conager. C-A-N-A-G-E-R. I'm doing my best. Conager. And it's like a little hobo man who is just openly defecating. <laughs> like squatted over. And he is typically positioned some par- somewhere far and out of the way from the main nativity. Why? <laughs> I don't know. But two poop-related holiday characters from Catalonia, Spain. Well, Catalonia is definitely known for being unusual. They have their own language too. Like it's a different variant of Spanish. It's um, so they're odd. Well, they got different variants of a lot of things. I'll tell you that poop mostly. But those are some fun international customs to share during the holidays. Let's bring us to our discussion of it's a very merry Muppet Christmas movie starting right now. Yeah. Everyone matters. We can change the world around us with everything we do. Even you. Even you. Even me. Even me. You and me. All right. Well, that's sweet. It's beautiful. We'll just end it there. That's where it ends. (laughs) (laughs) So I I was actually, I, I really enjoyed that song actually in the movie. That was really good. Yeah, it was, it was refreshing. It was. Uh, so the, this movie directed by Kirk R. Thatcher, who uh, was the punk on the bus in Star Trek four. Ah, yes. Know it well. Uh, he also did a miscellaneous voice in Gremlins too. I found out. So double Muppet Gremlins connection. Love it. Interesting. He was produced on Muppets night and the dinosaurs. He directed crank yankers and Muppet Bohemian Rhapsody and the okay, go Muppet music video. Um, and and had a very good idea of what the Muppets could do and their capabilities, and I think that really showed. Oh yeah, through this whole thing. And uh, I think starting off, I knew this was gonna be like a decent movie, just because they did a um, Goodfellas style opening, basically a really long, unbroken camera shot that would have been really difficult to pull off with a lot of choreography. If you're not thinking about it, you don't notice, but they don't cut like the, for like five minutes. So it was like a really impressive first shot um, going yeah. through the town. Um, they're kind of introducing you to everyone celebrating Christmas and they sh- show Muppets mingling with humans. Um, and then it all kind of falls onto this merry snowman, like you would see in Frosty the Snowman or, or you know, a red nosed reindeer. And it's Mel- voiced by Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. It's so good. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, they comes in and he's like, what? No, snowman narrator. This doesn't have any snowman narrator. Get out of here. You bum. <laughs> what? I came, I came all the way out here. <laughs> Yeah, Burl Ives wannabe. That was <laughs> yeah. that was the line. So that was funny. Really cool looking snowman too. He's very all practical. Oh yeah, very well done. Yeah. Uh, and they cut into what is clearly the Muppet Christmas party. Right. They're all celebrating. Johnny singing songs, jingle bells, jingle bells. Uh, and I loved this bit, uh, the gift of the Magi bit. I might have missed where, it. Where um, Rizzo. Uh, 
gets sells his moldy cheese collection to pay for a crystal petri dish for Gonzo and Gonzo gets rid of his mold collection to buy Rizzo a a cheese cutter. Right. And then uh Dr. Bunsen Honeydew sold his electron microscope to get rare mutagenic elements for Beaker and Beaker sold so- something to get I don't remember. But then the third and final cap off is uh Salmonella gets Johnny a a gold solid gold record player and Johnny just goes, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> it doesn't give him anything. It just doesn't pay it off. It was such a good, very Muppety moment to it start was. out on. So then we have uh, Kermit coming in, looking all sad and depressed and yeah. just really mopey, and which has a great line by, I think, the same Salmonella guy, the, the ape or whatever. Yeah. And he says, your gloomy behavior would lead us to believe something really bad has happened. And I cracked up at that. <laughs> it's like, yes, that is that is correct. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Kermit announces that they've lost everything. They've lost the studio. They've, they've lost it all. Bless you to your wife. Kermit says, bless you. <laughs> um, yeah. everyone doesn't know what he's talking about. He says they lost the theater. Uh, and he like storms out and you don't really know what happened. And I should say before we go too far into this, that, uh, this was a straight for TV movie to NBC in 2002. So kind of like the Wizard of Oz one was also a TV movie. This is a TV movie as well, but it was made two years before the Wizard of Oz one. Um, and it's amazing how much better this one is. Incredibly because, better. Well, here's the thing. A lot of the same people were involved with both. Weird. Like the more I looked at it, there was a ton of overlap between this and Wizard of Oz and Wizard of Oz was so bad. All I can say is there must be more studio involvement or um, executive oh, involvement in the second well, they one. They didn't have like a hot young thing to sell in this one. Aaliyah. Uh, so Kermit's yeah he's going outside in the snow and he's sad and miserable and you get a good christmas story reference a young frog with his tongue stuck to a pole yeah um and kermit sits and mopes on a bench and they cut away and all of a sudden you're in heaven with david arquette david arquette sitting in a cubicle in heaven everything's in white he's in a white suit and he's got a picture of his wife on his desk, which is actually Courtney Cox, who was his wife at the time, which is uh-huh. very strange. And he sees what's happening to Kermit. He feels bad. So he goes to his like section boss. And and then they portray heaven as like this heavily bureaucratic thing, which I kind of enjoyed. Yes. And it's William H. Macy. William H. Macy. Section so boss. So good. Uh, so he decides he's going to barge in and go see God to talk to God about Kermit. And William H. Macy's like, no, you're not. You're not going to go in there. No one does that. You He's can't do that. He's not going up to see the big guy. Um, and then he gets to go see God. It's like white. And then he's in a field and a couch sitting. And then Whoopi Goldberg's there. And I got to say, for the whole thing, I didn't hate this depiction of God. I didn't either. And, you know, it's funny. When he, he first walks in, you hear, who goes there? And I'm like, is it Jeffrey Tambor again? <laughs> <laughs> it may have been. For the third Muppet movie. But, no, it was Whoopi Goldberg. And she's. She's just lovely in everything she's acted in. I've always enjoyed her stuff. Uh, and I she mean, says, well, we, we, we don't have a lot of time to, to talk because I'm talking to the angels about Armageddon. We're trying to get Streisand for the after party. <laughs> that was real good. That was fun. Um, and then God can't figure out the remote, which I also <laughs> thought was just really good. So Daniel pleases case says Kermit needs help. Uh, and God says, no, Kermit's always fine. And then Danielle rewinds the tape and you finally get to see what happened. Right. But, but we should say David Arquette's name is Dan, Danielle. Danny L. 
Yeah, right. And uh, he's she says, well, watch the video of what happened to him. And if, <laughs> if I think it's uh, good enough to go help him, then we'll send an agent down. If it's not, then you're going to turn all my records into MP3s. <laughs> so she has unlimited records that she needs to be imported into MP3s <laughs> that he used to do for us of time. Um, so, yeah, they watch it and they kind of rewind back to what happened at first of all. And, and it looks like the Muppets are going to be putting on a big Christmas show. And he's on Carson Daly's talk show to talk about this. Kermit the Frog is. And uh, they're trying to promote their show. And uh, it turns out... Oh, well, I don't want to skip anything. Am I not skipping anything? Um, oh, we no, have Matthew it's... Lillard. Oh. oh, my God. What a bad one. Uh, <laughs> that was the worst part I, of the my, movie. My only note from him is Matthew Lillard. What happened to him? <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> So, yeah, they're they're kind of rehearsing the show, and Gonzo has this new choreographer that he wants to show off who used to work with Cirque du Soleil. And so he wants to make their show Cirque du Le May. But, but Kermit's like, doesn't it say lame? <laughs> and it's like Art Nouveau and really bad, and it's it's made to be bad. Only cool thing is uh, those big puppets that yeah. they use uh, are, are some of the old school puppets from like early Muppet Show stuff. That's pretty cool. Um, and it's really cool to see them brought out. Yeah. But he has this terrible French accent, and he's just really bad in the part. And it's just that was the worst thing in the whole movie. Um, and the piggy does like rig work, and is supposed to fly down as the five golden rings. And there's a great line: "The ham is jammed." Yeah, that, uh, that Scooter. <laughs> the ham is jammed. Repeat: The ham is jammed. Everything falls apart, and the set falls apart. Uh, Rizzo gets thrown into a wall and has a red, glowing nose. That's cute. It's like a loaded gun for later in the movie. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Joan Cusack is there to make the plot happen. Oh, before she does, uh, Pepe, who's become my favorite uh, Muppet in the whole oh, time. I love, I love Pepe. He's, He's got some great stuff. So funny. One. But he comes in saying he got all the permits done for uh, the show, Fire Code, and uh, a permit for a topless show as well, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> and they put it to run a topless club, okay? <laughs> just in case. You never know, okay? You never know, okay? <laughs> So yeah, Joan Cusack comes in, and she's the sister of their landlord, who is gone now. And she says uh, they owe tons of money on the theater, and they don't. They only have a speaking agreement with him about not paying until after the shows are done. So she says they have until midnight on the twenty fourth to pay the rent or get out. Uh, so yeah, she's she's bad. So Curtis starts trying to figure out how they're going to do this. He tries to. Um... He talks to Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, who who gets out the Windows machine, which is just a window. The wind, window operating system. Window operating system. <laughs> uh, and it comes up that the, they can the, they can make it. They can make the payment if everyone defers their wages for a year. Right. Um, and I just like how Piggy immediately abandons ship. She's like, nope, I'm not doing that. <laughs> just leaves. <laughs> She's too much of a diva. Um, oh, but I do and, love, I, was, I mentioned here the, like, Basically, all the Muppets you know and love are all sitting in the audience at one time. And like that only happened like at one other movie, I think. And I thought that was a really cool scene. They're all arguing and interacting. And I was like, this is really neat seeing them all here That's together true. at one time. And uh, then you get a cut to Joan Cusack's character's office with Pepe, who now works for her. Uh, I would like to work for monies, okay? <laughs> and it's Bitterman Bank and Development or Be Bad. Oh, I catch that. I like that. It's <laughs> nice. Um, and honestly, Joan Cusack and Pepe turned it. It was my favorite dynamic of the entire film. It was great. Uh, so she gets Pepe to reveal that he has all the contracts with him and there are no other copies. So she's able to get it and make and make edits to it. 
which comes up later. Uh, he has a great line where she's like seducing him. And uh, he finally tells her what she wants. She says, yes. And he says, peel me. I'm yours. And I thought that was really good. I didn't even catch him saying that. That's great. Um, meanwhile, back at the Muppet Theater, uh, Kermit is trying to figure out how they're going to pack their, their house for the show to, to make sure they make their payment. And so he starts m- making calls to celebrities. In quotations. And you get uh, Kelly Ripa and Molly Shannon and Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, which was which was fun. I thought, yeah, it's true, fellow puppet. Um, and what I I got really confused is that like all of these guys have, in theory, at this point, been famous for a long time. How do none of them have money? You mean all the Muppets? Yeah. <laughs> well, she says later on they've always worked for uh, Starshine instead of money or something like that. She's like, maybe in the future you should start working for cash instead of the stars in your heart or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then they like realize they've got to bring back Piggy because she's their big star. And I was like, why is Piggy the only famous? I just didn't understand the dynamic. <laughs> the only and how person quick they got her me. back to that matter. Um, oh, but there was a in that when they're still rehearsing and stuff while that's going on, and there's a a big pig dance instructor guy was that a new character oh, i love that guy he showed up on i think muppets tonight and some of the later muppet stuff but he is great it's like their only Just, flamboyantly gay character that i've seen on the show uh this is not what i taught you are so terrible and- <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny uh, um, and who's, yeah, the he's boomer- a great who's the boomerang fish guy i've never seen him before either uh lou zealand he's been around for a good while he probably got his biggest moments in um muppets take manhattan Oh, I didn't remember. Where he, uh, remember Scooter works at a movie theater and he goes to see like Attack of the 3D Piranhas or something. <laughs> Vaguely. Uh, I bring my own my own fish. <laughs> I throw the fish away and they come back to me. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, I laughed at it. There are a lot of, everyone got a lot of little good moments in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so why is Miss Piggy the only star? So Miss Piggy has supposedly taken a role on a big show and you find out that she's like a dead body on Scrubs, which was huge at the time. They had the whole like almost the whole cast from Scrubs there. Um, yeah, with her being frustrated her because she won't she won't play dead long enough as an extra. And then so this from the Scrubs point on, there were just way too many direct references to things such as. Uh, the Moulin Rouge thing, Crocodile. Like, we'll get to them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some but, of those are pretty bad. But uh, the Grinch thing, it just, there was too much. That That's my one complaint about this, is there was just too much tie-in. They'd only be relevant here and now, basically. Exactly. Um, so Kermit convinces Piggy to come back. Uh, Pepe figures out Miss Peterman has changed the contract to 6 p.m., Instead of midnight, so they have they can't even do their show fully without paying her. So she'll have it no matter what. Uh, and he knows that she is evil. Okay. <laughs> he has like a new assistant who I thought was like all the sexual innuendo stuff was real good. Yeah, it's like her chair squeaking because Pepe's on the bottom of it unknowingly. And she's like, and fix that squeaking chair tomorrow. Well, he's like, oh, I'll fix your squeaking chair. And she's yeah, like, not everything is chair. innuendo. And he's like, yeah, innuendo. Innuendo. <laughs> That was pretty funny. Uh, so cut back to the Muppet Theater where it's finally showtime. Right. And they do the, show, the the Christmas show, and the Moulin Rouge thing was real bad. Yeah, that was really uninteresting. And then we have a, a Miss Piggy singing um, Santa Baby, which was kind of slow and uninteresting as well. 
The only funny part in there was when Miss Piggy literally yelled like, stop singing different songs. <laughs> I didn't finish my song yet. Uh, <laughs> this whole time, Pepe is trying to get to Kermit to tell him that about the 6 p.m. change in the contract. And he gets King knocked away from Kermit over and over again. Yeah. Meanwhile, they trusted Fozzie with all the money. Um, they want why? Fozzie to run to the bank to make, get it to her in time before 6 p.m. Uh, and he goes and and then the crocodile hunters there. It was like a guy impersonating Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. Uh, Being followed by a cameraman. Like, it was so bad. And it's like, why is Steve Irwin in the middle of, like, a city suddenly looking, chasing bears? And, like, what is going on? That made no sense. So he runs what through it, a thing it that... Should have been, it should have been Joan Cusack's, like, new thug. Yeah, that would make more sense. It could have been anything else. Him. That should have been what it was, but now the crocodile hunter. So he runs through a, which is kind of funny, uh, a factory that paints trees green for Christmas. And so I thought that was good. It paints him totally green. And so then he runs into a bunch of who's from Whoville who are all like, that's the Grinch. Get him. And it, that was amusing, but uh, made no some, sense. Somewhere in there, he also runs into a Santa Claus and they switch bags. Right. They accidentally and switched so now, the money bag. For so like now he accidentally left the money bag. Yep. Uh, and then he's running away from the who's and goes through like a, a pedicure shampoo and spa and comes out clean, which I thought was real good. That was cute, too. The transitions were fine. It's just the people he ran into it was all dated references that will not age with this movie. Yeah. Um, and then he gets to the bank and there's like a laser grid. And I oh, honestly before oh, he gets sorry, to the laser grid, <laughs> the Asian man at the front desk. I was laughing, but it was really racist. <laughs> yes, it was. It was absolutely racist. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so he gets to this hall that has like lasers, but not just like lasers that would set off alarm, like real hurting lasers. Because she puts them up to protect her office so he can't get to so her. So he time. can't get to her. So Fozzie makes a run for it and him running through it, realizing he left the bag, having to run back and then run back through again was maybe the most Muppety thing in this entire movie. <laughs> and it felt so bad for Fozzie. It was like, it no. Was, but it was so good. You couldn't help but laugh. It was so good. That was really cute. Um, uh, Animal gets drunk on eggnog, which I thought was like a weird choice. Uh, yes, yes. That was a very Chug, chug, thing. chug. I just thought it was strange. One of those out of place moments like we had in Wizard of Oz. Uh, and then a good reference, actually, Scooter is talking to like two showgirls and makes reference that his his uncle used to own the theater, which is in Muppet show, like in the first season of the Muppet show, like part of the plot. Oh, OK, I wonder what and that meant. And he and that Scooter getting hired was part of the condition of them getting the theater. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, Even Scooter got a good moment. That's right. And then Kermit confronts Mrs. Biederman, who reveals that she owns the theater now. Uh, has a good, she has a good self-aware line of like, if you didn't notice, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so back up in heaven now, God sees all this happen and realizes, oh man, Kermit really does need our help. So she sends Dan down Danielle, who is not a field agent, to go take care of Kermit. And I actually thought David Arquette did a good job with this character. He seemed very earnest, and I, I believed him. <laughs> and I haven't seen this movie in a while, and when I watched it, uh, when when she popped him into street clothes, my immediate thought was, why the hell is he dressed like a barbershop guy? And then they talked about it, like a moment <laughs> yeah. later. I think an ice cream salesman from Hello, Dolly. <laughs> That's what he <laughs> no, said. the ice cream guys from uh, Music Man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he said Hello, Dolly both times. Uh -huh. <laughs> but either way, yeah, that's what he looked like. Um. 
so he comes down is, to earth and he's got the the field the uh the field guide agent book <laughs> yeah the field agent book for dummies because he doesn't have any time to read the full agent book to figure out how to do this stuff um and he starts talking about how he to kermit about how he knows about bitterman and the bad deal and everything like and um kermit says how do you know all this stuff you don't run one of those muppet internet sites do you <laughs> i thought that was a good line um and i really enjoyed the idea of like the haphazard inexperienced angel yeah i wish i felt bad that they that they didn't get to it sooner i know this is like three-fourths of the movie yeah i, I would just have loved for to see that dynamic play more and they just chose a really late moment for it that was odd they're trying to fit into me pop culture references um so in a fit of rage kermit yells that he wish he had never been born and in accordance with angel law uh danielle had to make it make a reality where kermit had never been born and so he pops him into another reality and he's in space somewhere with smoke going around and all of a sudden yoda pops up <laughs> the back of yoda's head because they couldn't show him appropriately but they could do the right. voice but it wouldn't have been frank oz right because frank oz wasn't around for this movie Frank Oz, I probably did it. I'd put money on it. Because he wasn't doing any other characters in this movie. No, he was not. But yeah, it sounded like the perfect Yoda, the voice. Uh, and so they come to a reality where Kermit hasn't been born. And instead of in the middle of a park, he's in the middle of a shopping mall. Where'd the park go? And so basically, she built shopping malls everywhere there are parks. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like the plaque uh, in the mall, conquering nature one mall at a time. Yeah. Uh, in this reality, like Gonzo's a starving performing artist. Rizzo is on Fear Factor, the Electric Mayhem are River Dancers, <laughs> and the uh, best thing I love so much because it reminded me of our first episode of this Doc Hopper. Doc Hopper. So there's a Doc that Hopper's was, chain restaurants everywhere now selling frog legs and frogs because Kermit didn't stop him. Right, Doc. I'm Doc Hopper. I'm Doc Hopper. <laughs> um, I, that was a great throwback. I love really that. Uh, he goes to where the Muppet Theater is, and it's now Club Dot, which was Joan Cusack's character's dream. And there's uh, a, no sign or anything; just a big black dot. And so he's like, "Can't you see the sign? It's Club Dot." And there's just a, I'm like, "Oh, that's a dot." Okay, <laughs> that's uh, pretty funny. Honeydew is the bouncer. You get to see some more alternate realities. Sam is a rave dancer with glow sticks. Sam the Eagle. Scooter's a cage dancer. And this part was cut out of uh, a lot of TV um, broadcasts of this film. Like in, when it was on the CW and stuff later on, they cut that part out because it was just too oh, risque. Sure. But I, th- uh, I laughed so hard at Honeydew being the buff bouncer. And he's like, me, 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 me. Oh, <laughs> uh, Beaker. Beaker. Oh, Beaker, right. Not Honeydew. Um, yeah, Statler and Waldorf are two creepy old guys at the bar. Yeah. Uh, Robin's a bus, abused bus boy. And then Beaker, the the bouncer that throws Kermit out eventually. Me, 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 With a huge buff arm. <laughs> You're so, right. That was really good. I laughed pretty pretty hard at that. Uh, and then and then Kermit literally runs into Fozzie, and you think, ah, oh, okay, well Fozzie's all right. And then it turns out he's a pickpocket. <laughs> yeah, he just runs away. <laughs> um, so Kermit uses Danny L to track down Piggy, and finds and Piggy was so sad. So she lives in a really rundown apartment with like hundreds of cats and there's cats everywhere. And she's like, I still act out of my home, though. And it turns out she does a Miss Cleo style psychic caller. <laughs> Phone psychic. Yeah. But she puts um, on a racist thing, too, with like putting on a Jamaican accent and puts on dreadlocks puts on as well. <laughs> I thought that was so crazy. Um, I'm so surprised that let them get away with that. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it these days. 
Um, and but her reaction, and then her like, I'm not pathetic. I've got to cry. <laughs> it was it was so sad. Like she was really tragic. The other ones were kind of okay. Yeah, she was very sad. That's what put him over the edge. You know, you had to see that. Yeah. Uh, so Kermit goes back and he finds Gonzo, and they sing a song together. And this is when you get Everyone Matters. That's when we played at the intro of this segment. Um, and you're right. It's a really nice song. It doesn't quite go anywhere. There's no like big finale or anything, but it's just it was just peaceful and nice. Right. Uh, and it's very reminiscent of um, one of their old songs. Uh, if just one person believes in you. Uh, and very much has that same sort of feel and rhythm to it. Uh, so I, I enjoyed that as well. Uh, and so Kermit says that he wants to go back and he wish he had been born. And the way that Danielle sends his back is he spits in his face <laughs> yeah, for some reason after a little I like jig. That. I like that. Um, and then Danielle is like, well, if you've been con- content with uh, my angel ship, you can fill out this survey for me. <laughs> it's like once again, reinforcing the bureaucracy of heaven, which I thought was real good. And Kermit wanted to, but he forgets and runs away. Um, and Kermit runs in. He's so happy to see everybody. It's a really triumphant moment. And then Mrs. Biederman shows up to remind everybody the plot hasn't resolved yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and so she says, I need you all out of here. I own the theater now. Get out. Um, and then her and Miss Piggy get in a physical altercation. Which was kind of silly. I didn't. I don't understand why they needed to do it. Yeah, like they do like karate moves and they did like the um, old kung fu movie thing where their mouths aren't matching with their words. Yeah, it was... just seemed like a weird a weird moment. Like, oh, you have to actually physically beat her. Okay. I mean, Piggy does get very physical in a lot of the films, so it's kind of like par for the course with that. But then at least they have Kermit coming in and stopping and saying, violence isn't the answer. That's why I was, that was appropriate. Uh, and then you get a great Pepe moment where he like triumphantly walks in singing this little song. Chinga, chinga, ching, 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 ching. I got some good news, okay? Unless, of course, you are a sexy banker lady. Then it sucks, okay? <laughs> Great line. Great line. So he basically has gone to the permit office again and gotten the Muppet Theater uh, announced as a historic landmark, so it cannot be changed or altered in any way. So while she owns it, she can't change it. Right. And she gets mad and kind of storms off. It was weird. I wish, I almost wish she'd gotten some sort of better resolution. Yeah, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the strongest. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, sudden Bobo the bear is there. And he's great. I always love Bobo I love Bobo. Bear. I'm sad you didn't get more of him. He's like, oh, guys, there's uh, some caroling going on outside. Want to come? Uh, <laughs> and so all of a sudden you're out front and uh, they, they cut away and the money ended up in a good place. The money ended up with the Salvation Army. So that was like a nice little tie off on that. And then Danny and God reflect that Kermit didn't really need his help after all, that everything worked out and he didn't really do anything. Uh, and then they cut out to everyone out singing Everyone Matters. And this is what I felt was like the needed, the big moment. And it didn't get it because they threw it like in with the credits. Yeah, like they were in the middle of singing and all of a sudden it cuts away the credits, like while they're still singing. And I was like, there was more film there. That's strange. But maybe um, it was just cut for time. They had to do that because it's on a TV schedule or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, but overall, compared to uh, you know, Wizard of Oz, this is so good. Yeah, like this, this with um, some selective cuts, some additions of better moments here and there. This could have been a theatrical film like the ones we watched before. The quality was good. There was a good song or two in there. 
and the comedy was there. Like it's just it felt very more like the Muppet movies and that nothing like that travesty we watched the last time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and overall, a good Christmas offering for the Muppets. Some really good moments. As the tie-ins were a little bit heavy, Moulin Rouge and Cry, like, and so dated now that you wonder what they were thinking. But overall, loved it. Yeah, it was just a, it was very joyful and happy and fast, like 128 minutes, or like a no, an hour and 28 minutes rather. Well, yeah, made for a TV two-hour slot. Yep, it was it was it was good. So I, I recommend it. It's good for the kids, but they won't get the 2002 references. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Um, so just some, some kind of interesting facts. Uh, this is the first time that you get to hear Janice speak since Richard Hunt's death. She's like the ditzy band member, right? Yep. Right. And Scooter, uh, you heard him speak for the first time since Richard Hunt's death in Muppets from space, but it was actually, uh, voiced by his brother, Adam Hunt. Right. Um, Frank Oz, as you mentioned, was completely replaced by Eric Jacobson, who still plays those characters who did uh piggy Fozzie, and animal did a good job uh and then i looked up frank oz and kind of saw a crazy fact um frank oz was still occasionally doing grover on sesame street in 2013 wow just for fun i guess <laughs> i guess he was still an executive producer i think for a long time huh. um but yeah somehow still occasionally showing up as grover just felt like stepping in and enjoying his old character. And who's going to stop him? He's Frank Oz. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's been a very merry Muppet Christmas movie. I highly recommend it. It's one of many great things the Muppets have to offer for the holidays. I did have a couple of trivia you didn't mention. I was seeing if you were to mention them, but uh, I was is the first movie to be rated PG by the MPAA of the Muppet movies. Yep. I don't think before it was G. Okay. I can see why the rest of them could be PG. Um, it's early working title was he's a wonderful frog. And coincidentally, yeah. that title was previously used for an episode of Muppet Babies. So a uh, ah. little, little fact there. That's all I got. But yeah. Oh, well, cool. Good movie, guys. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to bring back something I do uh, occasionally on the holidays, which is the reasons for the season. I'm going to talk about some Christmas and holiday uh, traditions and where the heck they come from. So first, I'm going to start out with stockings. Uh, most people think that it's possible that it's most likely based off of the English and German tradition of leaving a shoe out with hay in it on December 5th so that Santa's uh, reindeer can eat it. And then they leave you little prizes in your shoe. <laughs> um, and by as early as the mid 1800s, it was recognized that that hanging your just dirty socks on your mantle place boldly was kind of gross <laughs> and decorated stockings really became a thing. Gotcha. Like the red and, and overdone stockings we know now. And there's actually an article in the New York times um, in the days of the unobtrusive white stocking. No one could pretend that a stocking itself was graceful or attractive. Even the empty stocking may be a thing of beauty and its owner can display it with confidence, both at Christmas season and on purely secular occasions. <laughs> They're suggesting that you keep your decorated stocking out all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially if it's sexy. Uh, there's caroling, which uh, most people associate with Christmas caroling. I actually started in the 1800s, and before it involved singing on Christmas Eve and other holidays, people would go door-to-door -door to their neighbor's houses, but it was just to, to well-wish and wish happy holidays. Just say hi, have a little chat. Uh, but then in Victoria, England, Victorian England, it became very much in vogue that you went out caroling at every holiday. Oh boy. 
Probably just so get money. Every, every holiday, people would go out and sing for their neighbors. Um, and that is when it merged with Christmas. And for whatever reason, Christmas caroling is the one that has held on. Huh. Probably because of the most songs. Um, yeah, it's true. There are a lot of songs. If I had neighbors coming to my house singing the Monster Mash on Halloween, I don't know how much I'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be terrible. It was a Monster Mash. <laughs> Can I give you guys candy to go away? It was a graveyard smash. Oh, shit. They're singing the whole song. <laughs> um, uh, did you guys do Yule Logs when you were growing up? Never did. Is that thing in the north? I get, I don't know. I can't figure out. I've never experienced it anywhere, but I, I looked up some stuff on it because I didn't really know much about it to begin with. We don't have fireplaces in Florida. so that's yeah, The, the, the idea is you have like a, a really nice log you picked out. Mm-hmm. And that's the Yule log. It's like a special log you picked out that you're going to burn on Christmas Eve. That's like the whole idea. It's like a special log you picked out. Well, there's more to it, actually. What? Uh, I'll get to it in my in the later segment, actually. Surprisingly, oh, all right. about the Yule log. Remind me. Um, so it stems from Gaelic and Celtic winter solstice festivals when they would take logs and they would decorate them with holly and ivy and pine cones. And then they would burn them as a signature of cleansing the old year and starting the new. And then they would actually take the ashes and use them to ward their houses against bad luck and evil spirits and, and lightning strikes and that kind of stuff. Okay. So you basically kind of got to what I was going to talk about. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. That's right. I do research. (laughs) Uh, And then there's a red and green, which are sort of synonymous with the Christmas holiday and where that came from. And uh, it was basically the church taking the symbol of Holly away from the penguins um, the spiky leaves of the holly suddenly became the thorns of Jesus's crown and the red berries suddenly became his blood. And they were like, perfect. It's a Christmas thing. <laughs> uh, and that's how red and green became the synonymous colors of Christmas. Was stolen. The, the, the church stole it. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's the reason for a few things this season. Beautiful. I think that takes us to some trailer reviews. Trailer reviews. Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. To burn it, Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. All right. So a couple came out in the last couple of days that we're doing right now. Yeah, just showed up out of nowhere. Didn't know they're happening even. And the first one I'm going to say is the one I'm least excited for of the two. Hmm. And that is Men in Black 2. Two? Yeah, Men in Black, whatever. Men in Black <laughs> International. Men in Black 6, whatever it is. <laughs> there was three movies, then there was Men in Black International. Sorry, let me rephrase it. Unneeded Men in Black sequel. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about it. Here it is. <laughs> Always remember, the universe has a way of leading you to where you're supposed to be at the moment you're supposed to be there. Let's do this. 
I'm a monster. It took me 20 years <laughs> to find you. How many people can say that? You are the best kept secret in the universe. And I found you. Which makes me perfect for this job. You really think a black suit is going to solve all your problems? Mm, no, but looks damn good on you. We are a rumor. Recognizable only as deja vu and dismissed just as quickly. Time to prove yourself, Agent M. We may have a problem in London. Welcome to MIB. You will be with Agent H, one of the best ever to wear this suit. Catching up on my daily meditation. Time for lunch, I think. Are you hungry? It's 9.30. Perfect. Tuesday's taco day. We've been compromised. It puts every citizen of this planet at risk. If we could all just look right here. Just try. There should be a big red button around here somewhere. Found it. We are the men in black. So, yeah. It's uh, just as silly and out there and outrageous as the first for three were, I think. It's more no. glossy, more in your face. It's going to be a big action movie. Like, that's the other thing. The other ones weren't big action movies. Especially the first one. Uh, oh, yeah. The first one kind of built slowly and took its time. He was discovering what the Men in Black was and the training sequences. Uh, but now everyone knows the universe. They want to jump right into it. So they have a character played by Tessa Thompson who seems to already know what the men in black's all about somehow she's like researched it and done her own and sleuthing and found out what they are um but i like the pairing it's interesting because they were in thor uh, ragnarok oh, yeah, together were. um tess thompson and, and chris hemsworth and they had good chemistry so they put them in this movie and liam neeson just is doing whatever paycheck rolls around doing these days does it pay money and will there be cheese i can only do one accent i can't get rid of my Irish accent at all I'm sorry. I need my I need my grapes peeled. <laughs> no pastel M and M's. The skins hurt my teeth. They hurt my teeth. I yark. The monster calls. <laughs> I have a set of skills that involves acting one character in every movie, and I will kill you. <laughs> There's Tessa Thompson, who is not Tessa Thompson. What's her name? Um, that sounds right. Uh, no, the British actress. Uh, she's really famous. Uh, yeah, sure. She was so famous we can't remember her name. Harry Potter and everything. She's playing another high up in Men in Black. So I'm hoping they have some kind of. This is the, the UK team, and there's like they still reference the US people in there. But hey, as far as unnecessary movies go, I'd much rather watch this than any Pirates of the Caribbean movie ever. So yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, um, I, I do like that they kind of played the aliens close to the chest. They didn't really overexpose. They didn't. That's true. That was a good call. You think you saw three or maybe four throughout the whole thing? That could just be because all the CGI isn't done yet, but that's true. Or it could be restraint. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to give this one and give it a buck. There's no way I'm going to get to go see this in a theater, and it's not going to be a high enough priority for me to do so. Well, at least you're doing give it a buck. I appreciate that because I think it'll still be fun no matter what. All right. Uh, I'd like uh, say that I, when I was a kid, I watched the Men in Black one and two VHS cassettes so many times over and over and over again. So. This is a shut up and take my money for me. I'll say Men in Black 1 still really holds up. It's great. It really, really holds up. They did so many good practical effects. They did. 
it just it, it holds up very well. Vincent D'Onofrio and that. And uh, if you haven't watched it in a while, check out Men in Black, the original. And it's Will Smith at the beginning, or kind of right in the center of his stardom. So yeah. So what um, we got next. Next one is Hellboy. Just Hellboy. They warned us that something was coming. If there is ever an end in this forever war, it will be because of you and your strong right hand. I'm on your side! Sorry, my bad. We're the line in the sand. We fight against the forces of darkness. This is it. You're expecting a sign that says secret headquarters. Oi. I need some ID, love. Um, are you serious? You made me a damn weapon. I just wanted to help you become the best you. How have we got to be saving the world or something? Does it do anything special? Yeah. It smashes things real good. You are mankind's best and only hope. I thought we were supposed to be fighting monsters, not working with them. Who are you calling monster, pal? You look in the mirror recently? Sorry! On the contrary, we've arrived just in time. So, uh, why isn't this Ron Perlman? <laughs> he's too, he's gotten too old. He already said that. He said he's just like he would love to do it, but he's just like it's just too much. The makeup, the process, everything. Then, here's my issue: is that if this was some sort of reinvention, mm-hmm. stylistically. Or character-wise, I'd be more on board. But it really sounds like this guy is doing Ron Perlman as Hellboy. Yeah, it's David Harbour, who's gotten a lot of fame from Stranger Things, playing the cop in, in Stranger Things. And he's, yeah, it feels like he's doing an impression of Ron Perlman's Hellboy. It, it's like the way that Ron Perlman's Hellboy would have delivered these lines. And I get it that they said that Ron Perlman was like the perfect casting for this pre-existing graphic novel series who he's supposed to sound and kind of look like that. And so I guess it'd be kind of hard to totally reinvent that, but I guess they're rebooting the whole thing. And I would say this, it looks a little lighter in the tone than the other ones did, but not by too much, but more, well, jo- more a, jokey, a, a lot more physical, a lot more um, like real violence. Like you see him shoot someone in the head, right? And stuff versus all of his violence in the old were all against monsters there. He never really hurt any humans. Now I'm thinking about it. But the, the graphics look fantastic, like the huge giant creature in the water knocking over bridges and stuff. And it's just like, it's going to be a really big special effects fest. Um, um, I just don't feel like we need this movie. So soon to do a reboot of something like this. It's like, already? Jesus. That and his head looks so messed up. Well, the problem is, too, is he's, they're having the Bane problem where I'm having trouble understanding what he's saying because he's not being able to speak very well through the makeup or something. And, and like the brow is way too low and overhangs his eyes, so he can't express through it. Like they need to like they're probably gonna loop in his dialogue because I can't understand what he's saying very well. Um, this one, I don't know. I guess give it a buck. <laughs> I thought you'd be more there's, excited about this one than the other one. No, 
this is just two franchises where I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? I am happy that Mila Jovovich is going to play the villain because uh, I've been yeah, in love with her cool. since I was 10. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see her. And there's a big pig guy she's obviously the boss of. And you see her like open a portal. Or, yeah, there's some neat visuals and gives you an idea of what's going to happen. But yeah, I put, I'll see it in theaters if I can, but it's not a priority. So I'd say at least give it a buck because it looks right. entertaining and fun. So both of these get give it a bucks for me. Yeah. So that takes us on to some radical recommends. Yeah. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend pleasant. All right. So this week I have um, a, a light recommend. It's it's pretty pretty darn good, but not like something okay. fantastic. It's uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It came oh, out yeah. on Netflix. It's a. Uh, 10 episodes and they just released a holiday special uh, that's already out. So it's 11 episodes total so far and it has been picked up for another season. So you're not in danger of watching something for no reason. Um, but it's a uh, retelling or basically a reboot uh, once again of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But this is more based off the comic series that's been in the same universe as the very cool and interesting dark Jughead and Archie comics that have been out uh, recently. So they're kind of um, oh. it's so it's instead of the Sabrina Teenage Witch is the Chilling Adventure of Sabrina. And this is very dark. Uh, violence, uh, Satan, Lucifer, I mean, all these, and dark glyphs and people being killed and cursed and stuff. And it's like, Brought whoa. back to life and resurrections. Yeah, and so it's not, it's not your uh, old school Sabrina at all. And there's some, some funny moments, but it's, it's a lot of serious stuff. Um, and saying pray Satan throughout the whole show, which is really strange. Yeah, and so thank God. Oh, thanks, Satan. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I did. You said, "Wow!" Like you weren't expecting me to say that, but yeah. Well, I I didn't think that you would like it. <laughs> I didn't either. But uh, um, uh, Kate was watching it, and a couple other friends had talked about it. And the only thing I don't like, and I was surprised because the girl playing Sabrina was in Mad Men, and as a young yeah. actress, she was pretty good for her age. But she, I think, is the weakest actress in this show. Um, I don't believe a lot of her lines. She's she's trying really hard a lot to act and. I was very surprised by that, but it doesn't distract enough from the show not to watch it because the rest of the cast is really good, um, especially the two aunts. They're just really good. Oh, yeah. They're both actresses who have been around and been in a ton of stuff, and they really help to carry it. Oh, yeah. And I like the head of the uh, the Satan school. He's he's really good. Oh, yeah. He is good. Uh, but, yeah, it's just it's a quick watch, 10 episodes, but it's just uh, it's just, yeah, it's entertaining and well-made, really pretty, great graphics, great special effects, good practical effects, good costumes. Um, creatures and stuff, so I recommend it. And cool. apparently, Steve likes it too. Yeah, I do. Double <laughs> recommend. Ooh. Uh, my recommend this week is something that I had at Disneyland, and that's the Disneyland pickle. You were talking about this last time that you were excited to try it. Yeah, so in Frontierland and Adventureland, they've got pickle stands that sell spicy, sour, and original pickles. Ooh. And we were able to get our hands on some original ones uh, our second day, and they were real good. I like me some pickles. Big, fresh pickle. The price was okay. It's a good good price for Disney. What, like six bucks? Four bucks. Four oh, bucks okay. for the pickle. <laughs> I thought it was me around there. Mind you, it is a big pickle. Uh, but <laughs> she said. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I recommend the Disneyland pickle. So did you try the corn dog or no? I did not. The line for that was audacious constantly. Gotcha. That's what they said. Uh, we did get to do the Dole Whip again, though, which is real good. What's that? Uh, it is pineapple flavored ice cream, not oh. sherbet or sorbet, 
but pineapple ice cream. Sounds delicious. And they and they and it's a soft serve. And then what they do is they they give you like a cup of pineapple juice and they put it on top like a float. Ooh. So you get fresh pineapple juice on the bottom and pineapple. It's so good. Pineapple's my so favorite good. fruit, so I would love that. It's real good. I highly recommend it. So if Don't you're at Disneyland, this very specific radical recommend, get a pickle. <laughs> get a Disneyland pickle and then go get a Dole Whip right outside of the Enchanted Tiki Room. Tiki, 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 tiki room. It's a tiki, 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 tiki room. Tiki room. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, so we don't have a thank you section this week. So instead, we're just going to have a happy holidays section. Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. If you're celebrating something or if you're not still, I hope you get some time off or something. Or get uh, to see family. Yeah, or eat some food. that you love that you love them. You know, do do something. Or get some good gifts if you do Christmas or Hanukkah. Even if Jesus isn't your jam, find someone to hang out with. Jesus isn't my jam. I'm still hanging out with my family. That's right. That's what Christmas is about. That's right. Uh, But we're going to be on a little bit of a break until after the holidays and probably after the new year. Yeah, probably sometime after the first. We'll be coming back Uh, at you. That being said, we've released a ton of episodes recently. I think we've been very good about our schedule, and I think we've earned it. And I want to say we released the most episodes we've ever released in a year since the first year we were on the air. So we've gotten back to being the way we were when we first started. That's right. Basically once a week. And I think we're doing pretty good. I think so. Uh, Pat ourselves on the back. To all of our listeners out there, happy holidays. Whatever that holiday is or isn't, doesn't matter. Just make it happy. Uh, We will come back after the new year. We will continue to be your nerdy co-hosts in 2019. If you continue to come back and be our nerdy audience. Thank you again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my Merry Christmas friends. And happy new year. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. And how.